Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 167. Yes, Albert, please please hold one moment. I'll be right back with you. Oh, okay, Julius, I'll be right here holding. No, that was, no, Albert, that was, that was about the topic. <laughs> that, and that's fine, I'll cut it. I figured it was. Haha. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. Hope everyone enjoyed Gen Con Online, Gen Cant, if you were attending such things, or any of those similar conventions as our normal convention season is underway. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm usually a member of uh, Gen Don't. I just don't participate in those things. I, I can't get to them. And I just don't like online conventions. I mean, I can't get to them, but I like watching all of the news and the hype for new board games that surrounds things. I, I like watching as new things are coming out and being excited for all the new stuff. Mm-hmm. That's always fun. What I like is the, the geek list that, that has all the games coming up that I could browse. Is that there for Jinkat? I yeah. didn't see that. I didn't look for it. Okay. No, none of that is out. It's it's all over the place. There's not even anyone who's coming through and like saying, here's all the upcoming releases and things like that. For the most part, I'm subscribed to quite a number of mailing lists from different publishers, so I get some notice of things. So like I'm hearing about Renegade's upcoming stuff and from uh, um, in, Indie Board and Cards and uh, a couple others, so FFG, things like that. Okay. So they But they have all their independent things. There's not like the one geek list, so you don't get all the same information. It's 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 not as mm-hmm. fun, which yeah, I like. I suppose is very much what you could say about 2020 in general. <laughs> it's not that fun. It's one for the books, and then we're going to set that book on fire once it's done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like the one that the, the, the BG used to do, the official one that had all, like, the game sorted by publisher and all that. That was that was fun to browse. But, mm-hmm. yeah, whatever. It's not there. Maybe they'll do it for, for Spiel, Hedessen. No so so listeners, as you can probably guess, we don't know what we're talking about today. We're just talking. We're not just <laughs> talking. Listeners, let me be a little bit more specific. As we talked about previously, because we're now trying to do an every week podcast format, um, we do want to have some weeks dedicated to different sort of discussion topics. So whether it might be an interview with a designer or talking about different mechanics, or maybe even talking about our favorite types of games and certain things. We want to have different types of discussion topics, and I do want to give a call out to all our listeners. Feel free to get in touch with us anyway. You can either get in touch with us through our emails. I'm Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com, or I'm JL Bird on BGG. Any way you mm-hmm. want to get in contact with us, let us know what sort of discussion topics, ideas you think that you would like to listen to, and we will certainly think about trying to work those into a podcast schedule. That being the point, for today, the podcast topic we want to talk about is some of the major challenges that I, at least as a solo gamer, find, which is when the children come out and I then have to pause the game or somehow otherwise protect it because I just haven't been able to finish. Mm-hmm. Now, does that happen more now that they're getting older or less, you think, or, or what? It's different for different reasons, okay. I would mm-hmm. say. Um, it used to be, I guess it's really always been that way that they just need attention and that, you know, as a good parent, it's my responsibility to ensure that the children are otherwise entertained or involved and not entirely wasting all their time or just they they need some attention for some reason or another and 
Also, it means that like if I'm playing a longer game, I know that if I'm playing in the evening, I cannot just leave it set up in the morning because they will come out and trash it if I don't put it away. I need to have everything <laughs> be put away. Which all of that together can sometimes be a barrier even to getting started because if I know that I'm going to potentially be playing a long game and it goes past an hour and a half, more, two, I know that unless I'm you know, planning on staying up like all night, I'm going to need to find a way of pausing, securing the game of some sort. Otherwise, I just don't feel like playing that game because I'll never have a chance to actually finish mm-hmm. it. Yeah, so so what you got to do is you got to train your kids to not mess with the game when they find it. So what maybe what you want to do is set up a a game, you know, you don't even have to play it. Just set up a game and leave it on the table for a night so when they come and make a mess of it, you can say, hey, no, when you see the game, leave it. You know, train them. That's, the- That's a little bit counterintuitive to the sort of training that I'm trying to give them otherwise because oh, okay. – they like board games. Well, that's true. <laughs> and it turns out that when they see a game set up, their first instinct is, oh, what's this cool game? Can we get dad to teach this to us? Or can we make dad play it Would with you... us? <laughs> and, and that's and fair. That's helped in certain But if it's already started, they shouldn't be picking up pieces. If it's not their pieces, right? They should know that too in a game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a tricky thing. Yeah, definitely. Um. And, you know, early on, the, the kids want to play with you and you encourage it. And a lot of games don't get played by the rules as written. <laughs> That's just, you know, you play with the bits until it stops being fun and then you put it away. And and the kids learn to play that way, right? And I think is I've never actually had that issue. I usually just have to give the kids some sort of handicap oh, or something. Oh, well, I'm talking real little. Like when my daughter was two. <laughs> oh, yeah, that happened. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But then they get older, then it's fine. Um, nowadays, my kids would, you know, they're old enough to leave it alone. The youngest is 12. So it's not an issue. But even so, I mean, you can't leave things, you can't leave things out because you may have an extra side room or somewhere you can set up games. I don't really have that luxury mm-hmm. either. So. so I have a game room and all the games live in here and there's a game table, but th- the game table's a little cluttered, and my older cat, I feed her in here, so there's animals that come in here, so I can't leave a game up because of the animals, because they will mess it up, you know. If I leave a game on the table for a while, like say overnight, and I come back in the morning, there'll be counters on the floor. And the, Cats are even more yes, malicious Yes, and then if the dogs come around, then there's chewed counters, if I'm lucky. <laughs> so, so leaving games is not a choice. Now, at some point, that cat will no longer be with us when they feed in here, and I'll be able to leave the game set up and the door closed, and nobody will need to come in. But that's a while. The other issue is cats just come along when you're when I'm playing a game. I got one cat in particular wants to come and sit inside the box or on the or walk on the board, which is even worse. You know, I've been playing a war game now. Well, I mean, that's the rules for Isle of there, Cats. Yes, cat is supposed to go. In <laughs> I don't box. have that box, but sometimes I'll get a big box and set it up if I'm playing another game, because because my cat Munchkin, who's actually unfortunately not a Munchkin, he's the biggest cat ever. He uh he will sit in any box he can't find, and, and he swears he always fits in them. And he'll try and walk on the board. I've been playing a war game the last couple of days, and, you know, a lot of little tiny chits all over the board, and they're easily scattered. <laughs> so that's a problem. Was your cat named after Wizard of Oz or the board game? No, he was just a little tiny cat when we got him. Itty bitty little cat, and he had a little high-pitched voice. And so he was a little munchkin, and that's how he got the name. And then he loves to eat. Oh my gosh, he loves to eat. Gotcha. <laughs> he's just a big fat cat that's what he is so you just said that you're leaving out a war game for a couple of days how is it that you managed to achieve oh no, no I didn't leave it out for a couple of days I've been playing it the last few days 
the game lasts about 45 minutes, hour and a half. It's um. And there's some sort of pause mechanic built. No, in. I I finished the game and I put it away. Oh, you just played different games yeah. of it. Yeah, I, I played it to the end and then I put it away. But it becomes problematic with all the animals. Let's say I'm playing my game and I need to get up because the older cat needs to get fed or the dogs want to go outside. And suddenly I got to stop in the middle of the game and pause where I'm at, you know, for a few minutes, come back and then figure out my, my spot. That gets tricky. That gets tricky with, with playing with, even with kids or anybody around. Like my kids got to get them lunch ready. I'll got to pause for 20 minutes and and get back to game and be in the right in the swing of it. That could be tricky. What what kind of method do you use to be able to help make Usually that I will try uh, and stop at the end of a turn. So when I come back it's I'm gonna start the next turn from the beginning. So if the first action of a turn is draw a card, I will stop and not draw that card. If the last action of the turn is to draw the card, I will draw the card and then walk away. Right, so so make sure I finish mm-hmm. the last action of the turn. If I if I'm in a situation where I can't do that, I'll get out my one player guild challenge coin, and I'll put it on on whatever deck is next or, or whatever player. If it's like a cooperative, like with three characters, I'll put on whichever character is going next. That sort of thing. So I use something to mark it. Or on a player aid for where you are and what phase. Mm-hmm. Usually I don't do it that way. If I'm in a phase like if I'm if my next phase is draw a card, I'll put it on the deck. If my next phase. Is, is to play, um, I don't know, to, to roll the dice, I'll put it with a dice, that sort of thing. That's how I tend to do it. I never thought about putting it in the, in the play raid. Have you, have you ever tried leaving a game overnight or anything like that, or is that entirely impossible? That's not realistic, yeah. It really isn't. If we have a puzzle, so one type of thing for example, if we're doing a puzzle, on the, we'll leave it on the table and we'll cover up the table with a tablecloth. And that usually works unless the mm-hmm. cats jump on the tablecloth and it slides. And then you get part of the puzzle on the floor. That's happened. That happens too. So I have found that one thing that's a bit more freeing to me to sort of have the courage to do the longer games um, is actually a um, puzzle mat type thing, mm-hmm. um, a puzzle briefcase. I don't know if you're familiar with these. Yes. But what they essentially are is they are a giant table size briefcase type thing where you open it up and there's two hard plastic sort of like flat surfaces that go in it. And they're sort of like felty. So stuff sticks to them nicely-ish. Not perfectly, but nicely-ish. And they can still slide well enough. So like if you're used to playing on top of a play mat, it's kind of like that. And you play your game on the mat and then you remove the inner parts of the mat and you can play on the other parts. And then when you're done with the game, you can fold it up and put it on top of a shelf or something like that. And especially if you're playing, well, only if you're playing a game that's flatter, that means it's much easier to be able to quickly pause if if you're in the middle of a long game. One thing that I've used it for frequently is actually for Arkham Horror, the card game, which I really want to return to on Mm -hmm. podcast one time. Um, but for Arkham Horror, the card game, because everything in the card game is a card, <laughs> <laughs> everything in the game is flat. Yep. So it's ideal for something like the puzzle um, briefcase like this, because that means everything lays flat. And when you close up the briefcase, everything remains generally in place and it's easy enough to be able to pick it up and open it up again. Mm-hmm. And then I guess you just put the token bag off to the side somewhere. and Usually I just put that straight on the shelf. Yes, that's the 
only non-flat part. It goes onto the shelf and just stays there. Nobody pulls it off the shelf. But it clears up the table space, and that means that if I'm thinking that the scenario is only going to be an hour, and I'm an hour into it, and at this point I'm tired, I don't have to be afraid that I will not be able to finish or something like that. I can repack it up on the puzzle mat and put it away for later, which means that I therefore have more courage to be able to play those games without being completely concerned. I shouldn't even bother to take them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the past when I've wanted to play a big game, I, I, I like your idea, though. I like that that uh, the puzzle mat thingy. What, what I have done is if I'm going to play a big game, say a war game, and especially if i got to learn it or relearn the rules, I will set it up and then just you know spend a half hour, an hour, and take my time and set it up and figure out things as, as I'm laying it out. And then maybe play a turn and then put it away. And then the next time, the next day when I go play again, I'll do the same sort of thing and I'll play some more and then put it away, planning for a day in the future where I know I could have more time, like say on the weekend. And, and that works. And then by the time I get to the, to play the game, I got the rules down better and, and I could do that. So that that I like for, for more complicated games. Games with lots of rules or fiddly bits and that sort of thing. I'm not sure if the idea of a puzzle map though would work for a war game because many war games involve minis and things like that. And the puzzle map would not work for a <laughs> yeah. game like that. Or they might have counters, and, and then I guess it would work. A lot of war games are counters. Thinking of GMT games and all that, yeah. One other thing that I found makes games a lot easier to pause um, is actually having a very good storage solution, which also makes it easier <laughs> to start a game, too. Um, if the game has an easy, fast, and simple storage solution that you just essentially pick it up, shuffle up the decks, and go, it's much easier to have the energy to be able to take the game out and get started when I'm not faced with the prospect of it's going to take me 20 minutes to get everything all out and set up before I can even start the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, the box comes with nice storage solutions. That's excellent. Um, the... Or if you don't make your own. I'm a fan of making my own type of things. Like during this, I was, I don't know if you're familiar with Edge of Darkness. No. Um, it is a solo-friendly card crafting game from AEG. Oh, okay. Um, with the same type of mystic, uh, same type of mechanic as Mystic Veil, where you are crafting a card over the course of the game. But in order to play a game, you have to pick out ten locations, and so you're picking out ten tiny decks of cards. So I've been working on setting up a storage solution to be able to pull those out easily and get the game set up fast, even though I'm having to pick out 10 different locations while I'm getting ready for setup. So I've actually just finished crafting up a whole storage solution for that. And that means that hopefully I'll be able to uh, have the ability to be able to pull out the game and actually get some more plays of it in before we can do a full review on it. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, I, I just made myself a, a storage box for the Lord of the Rings, too. Um, now, now I've got all the, I keep all my player cards in binders and all the different quests that, that I'm playing against or that you can't play against in the original boxes with dividers and all that are organized. But the current scenario that I'm playing against, I, I have a box that I made for that where I keep that in it and my current deck that I use and all the tokens and little trays. So when I'm going to play, I just pull out the different trays shuffle the two decks and I'm ready to go super easy and then put it away super easy again that way I can mm -hmm. keep playing the scenario over and over until I finally beat it and that works pretty well that's very quick and then the only time mm -hmm. I have to go back to the main box is whenever I'm switching scenarios and that that's actually kind mm -hmm. of fun because what I do is I play the scenarios in order and I don't open a pack until I've 
until I'm ready to play it. So all those cards that I haven't, all those scenarios I haven't played, I don't have access to any of the player cards either. So each time I get a to complete a, a scenario and start the next one, it's a it's a surprise what cards I get to see because I have no idea what's in that pack yet. I'm spoiled by Arkham Horror where you get to fail forward and play the next scenario even if you fail <laughs> the current one because I'm currently playing Oh My Goods and I've played I've, I've played recently a whole bunch of times of it, just the first scenario though because I can never beat the first scenario. I, I, I'm finding it frustratingly impossible to actually beat. Oh, okay. Which Oh My Goods is this? The Longsdale? Well, there's there's the... The Oh My Goods is not... Yeah, a... the longest... Okay. Yes, the longest tale, or the no, the re- revolution long. More? Longsdale and revolt, or escape to Canyon Brook. Longsdale and revolt, Longsdale and revolt. Okay, I haven't have yet to play it, but I've played all my goods and I liked it a lot, but I've never played it solo. I like all my goods. Um, I just frustratingly cannot. I I don't seem at all good at the <laughs> scenarios, and I've never played it versus anyone else, so I have no idea if it's just me. I don't know. Mm, okay. I have to try this. I've been meaning to try it forever. Give it a shot. Tell me if you beat the first scenario. Mm-hmm. Okay. I then it sounds like the board game version too, right? The um, Welcome to Newdale. Well, that's a newer. It, yeah, it's newer. It's it's similar, I think. In the what well, is I know it is similar in the way the cards work and the way you build your engines and stuff. But also in that when you're playing solo, you have to beat the scenario to go on to the next one. But you mentioned a moment ago that you said that uh, it was fun. And I thought that what you were referring to was it's fun creating these type of storage solutions. And oh, all yes. the crafting and thought that goes into it. Yes, it is. It really is. I spent a lot of time on it. My wife was marveled at my project because I spent hours and hours working on my box. You know, I bought yeah. the box. I, I measured all those things two or three times, carefully cut each piece of wood with a handsaw and glued it and you know, let it set the glued overnight. <laughs> Why not? And, you know... Yes, I'm I'm no expert at this stuff. If you look closely at it, it's very something's look kind of shoddy, mm-hmm. but you know, it works great and I'm very happy with it. I, yeah, I enjoy all the crafting that goes into it. My personal medium for many of these is usually um cardstock crafting or crafting out of foam core. Mm-hmm. Because those usually fit into the original boxes and I like to when I can keep the original boxes as much as possible mm-hmm. yep absolutely i agree with you there i'm going to upload a video of the box i made just to share with people we'll have to take a look mm-hmm. at it now i think the ideal way for me it's something that i think would be ideal would be a board game table because then you don't need to worry about this at all you can leave the game <laughs> set up in perpetuity and then yeah and then just cover it up and play uh, have your dinner and whatnot are you worried that uh, somebody will spill their milk on the table and it seep underneath. I think they come. I think they're supposed to be um, spill resistant. Okay. And usually we have a tablecloth over our regular table anyway. So no, I'm not that worried about it. Okay. <laughs> but those things are very expensive. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and we don't have one not, of those. I don't see myself getting one anytime soon. Not this year. Like I said, I have a game table in the game room, but I never get to use it again because of the animals and because it's a little bit cluttered. Sort of a bit of a clutter keen here, unfortunately. <laughs> My problem is there's too many games. Well, I think that uh, about covers the topic that for me is at least one of the biggest challenges of solo gaming, which is having to put a pause on the game in the middle. It used to be hard to to find time to play, but since coronavirus, I've got a lot more free time. And so that is no longer a challenge. Yeah, I found that it's a challenge finding that time. But when I have to insert it, being able to come up with an idea to be able to pause gives me more courage 
to be able to slot in at a time that I'm not completely confident I might finish. Sort of let me relax and ease through the game rather than always rushing to watch my time. And coming up with these ideas helps. Mm-hmm. I like that. And it also, I bet you, if, if it keeps you from playing those big games, right? Because what happens a lot of times, oh, I'd like mm-hmm. to play a game, but there's no one finish that tonight, so I'm not going to even bother. So the game just sits unplayed for a long time. Being able to come up with an idea helps that. Exactly. Nice. Well, listeners, I think that's uh, it for us. Feel free to give us any feedback or any other ideas that you might have. We'll try and talk about uh, any responses we get in a future episode. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so thanks for listening. Thank you very much, everyone. Good night. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.